Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Contra Radio Network presents the Contra Dawn Show with your host, Dawn Appleberg. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday night. It is 6 o'clock PST time. And tonight's show is kind of along the same lines of what I've normally done. However, it's a little different because the conspiracy theory actually happens to be in the fallacy of how people view this particular subject we're going to be talking about tonight. Basically, I'm going to be looking at hardcore data across the globe with the ratios based upon the individual securities or freedoms that we're going to be talking about, as well as looking at hardcore data here in the U.S., because primarily my show is based on U.S. statistics, but I think it's kind of now a global impacting scenario. So uh, for those who read about it or who will be downloading the podcast, the um, what we're talking about tonight is going to be your security versus your freedom and the pros and cons about the two and when is it too much on both sides. And we're going to try to do this as apolitical as possible. Um, hey there, Porky. Um, and if we can, great, that may bleed into different politics. This is a very sensitive subject. And I know it's very controversial. First, we need to understand there are two mindsets when it comes to most securities and freedoms when it comes to the the human rights and this is not about the bill of rights for america this is about human rights there are actually 38 of them globally which are recognized by the geneva convention un and and other global conventions these basic human rights the the 38 of them the the concept which shockingly we really don't see taught in schools anymore they are based on what globally everybody looks at as an inalienable right as a human entity or as an individual who is recognized as a human entity should be allowed to have. Namely, you know, freedom of speech. Uh, you have your, your, your freedom of expression, which is different from freedom of speech. It's, it's kind of wrapped up in the same thing, but it's kind of a subcategory. You have your freedom of self-defense. You have your freedom of... of um, not being persecuted illegally, you know, this type of thing. But they vary in different countries based upon what type of number one government they have. Number two, based upon what type of um, societal taboos they have. And finally, based upon what type of, of individual moral compass they have. One of the things, one of the things that, um, a lot of people don't think about is that there's actually two mindsets when it comes to this, two very basic mindsets. You have one mindset, which is it's the individual who has the rights to these inalienable rights, as we call them, or human rights globally. And then you have a mindset from the other side where it is societies 
right. And if the individual happens to start encroaching on society, then those rights can be rescinded for the individual because the needs of the many outweigh the few. We come to a juxtaposition when it comes to our freedoms and our our securities when it comes to just what is considered tolerable. If you are raised in a country where it is expected, even though it's not considered right, but it is expected that such things as violent military coups occur, um, the government will be there to enforce any and all laws, no matter what they are, and will situation has been known to kill basic on their politics, then their taboos are going to be a lot different than, say, a country where the individual has the right to be offended and um, to ensure that everyone around them is not authorized to offend them. So what you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, these two separate mindsets when it comes to this. You're dealing with these two separate entities. Where a, a major controversy occurs obviously it's one of the biggest ones we will be discussing it tonight is uh, there's two actually the freedom of of speech and the right to bear arms now which everybody knows is very near and dear to the american heart Uh, different people feel different ways about it different people feel different um viewpoints and opinions on the right to bear arms to the right to defend yourself and different people have very very different views when it comes to the right of freedom of speech so we're kind of going to look at both of them uh, and we're going to take them as separate little bubbles, and we're going to look at the pros and cons globally. So the first one we're going to grab, which is the one that I personally believe is the most misunderstood, which shouldn't be, but it is the most misunderstood, is the freedom of speech. And the reason I say that is because we all are raised with a concept of what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. We're all raised with a concept with your society on what is taboo and what is not. The varying degrees of freedom of speech based upon your societal norms dictates quite a bit on what you are going to accept or tolerate versus someone else. For instance, ironically, one of the things that many people have said when it comes to Americans learning a foreign language is that they can always tell it's an American because of how much they swear. You know, the first thing we pick up are swear words in a foreign language. We just, for some reason, we just are drawn to them. However, ironically, and this comes from somebody who has actually lived on both sides of the pond, I have been in both societies immersed, not just as, you know, a, a, um, a guest, but actually immersed in them. I have found that actually profanity is more common in the Great Britain era in arena than it is here in America, and it's more casual. Now, I'm not going to use some of these words because my mother is now listening to my broadcast, and I'm not going to have her calling me up and chewing me out for, you know, hurting her poor ears. However, uh, it's very common over in, in Europe to hear a child talking to an adult or another child and tell them to sod off, which is a very gentle term, or, you know, calling them a, a term which the C word, basically, which uh, is very common. But here in America, you use it, you're going to get jumped. You're going to get hurt. As a matter of fact, it's one of the instigators of fights, instant instigator of fights. If you say it, it is just understood on this side of the pond that you are going to, you know, you're going to get hit. Yet the perception is that Americans swear far more. 
Maybe it's because we use more profanity as a whole, and it is not accepted here as much. It's more taboo. It's kind of like a dirty secret. If I say the F-bomb here, it's accepted by certain societies, accepted by others. It's not accepted by others in our, in our culture, and I am perceived a certain way based upon that. But if I say it over in Europe, um, it's not, there's really not that much of a difference. Uh, Porky, who lives in Northern Ireland, it's complete, it's a little different in Northern Ireland than it is um, in, in Great Britain, but at the same time, you still have the same thing. You still have the same, and yeah, you're right. The, the language is absolutely disgraceful to a certain extent, but it's more tolerated. A child in Great Britain will not be expelled for an F-bomb, but they can be here in America. Now, I am not going to get into, do not send me a bunch of emails on this. Do not send me a bunch of text messages. I am not going to get into the minor rights as far as it concerns the human rights, okay? We're not going to talk about what minors are authorized to do and what adults are authorized to do. That's a totally different topic. It could take, you know, it could really, really take another show. What I am going to discuss, though, is the fact that when it comes to freedom of, of speech and what is societally accepted, there is a perception and then there is an actual one of the things that we are seeing is less and less freedom of speech globally. Now, one of the broadcasts that came through and I was looking at is the Global Freedom of Expression was a paper that was written on, uh, by Columbia University, a peer-reviewed paper. And in this, what they did is that they went through and they found 1,010 cases global-wide talking Asia, North America, Europe, Africa even, where they found cases of freedom of speech and they, they bundled them all together, whether it was written, whether it was spoken in feared, or whether it was a protest situation. And they found these cases where the, the, the freedoms of speech that were perceived to be there or allowed to be there were found deemed either completely unauthorized by that government in a trial or the trial was overturned and it was found that those freedoms of speeches were authorized, but only by certain entities, which is really, really disconcerting because now what we have is we now have a, a situation where now we have to define who is allowed to say what based upon integers that really should have nothing to do with it. Um, a, a good example, uh, we have public prosecutor versus Tep Vani from Asia. It was a fair hearing trial, and the reason it was a fair hearing trial that he called was because um, he believed that he had a trumped-up charges. He was talking out of turn, basically, as far as the government was concerned, about the government as a Chinese entity. And the government charged him with you know, um, slander, basically, against the government. And it was found – what, what happened it was August 8, 2017, and what happened with this case – is it was a contract's expression, basically, and um, he was imprisoned. He was actually imprisoned for speaking out of turn against his country. And I'm sorry, as you were, it wasn't China. I saw that, but it was actually Cambodia. So when he appealed, he still ended up in prison for speaking out of turn against his country. Now, we now have cases... You now have cases in, in Europe 
where if you speak out of turn, if you will, when I say out of turn, what I mean is that you, you say something that you technically should not be considered on the books. It, there's no law that states that you're not allowed to say it. But when you do, it is considered at that point by the societal norms to be taboo. So if, if you say if anything against the refugees or Muslims in Europe at this point, in many places, you can actually see prison time. Uh, there is one young lady in, uh, that I'm thinking of who is now serving three years in jail because when she was told that she had to hire a, a Muslim who was wearing a hijab, um, she said that she would not because it went against their dress code. And she was trying to explain that it was a safety violation for where they worked. Well, the woman came back and, and said that it was um, she was racially profiling her, which once more, we've already discussed this. It's not a race issue. It's a culture issue. And the appellate court found her guilty, and she's serving three years now for a quote-unquote hate speech crime based upon the fact she refused to hire someone in an unsafe scenario. Now, I know that we have many on the left who say that that's not the case at all, that, you know, there's just no way that it was unsafe. Well, what many people don't realize because of the media and what they have said, they never told you what the job was that this woman wanted. She was going to be working with heavy machinery. And with this heavy machinery, you were not supposed to have any loose clothing and you were not supposed to have any jewelry on. You were not supposed to have any, you know, you could have long, long hair. You had to have it tied up because it could get caught. In the machinery. So actually, yes, this is this is a travesty of justice for this woman. Now we have those on the conservative side who says it doesn't matter. You don't work with Muslims. Well, that's once more one of those things that that we have a show about. We've already discussed, and we may actually bring it up again depending on the situation. But that still has nothing to do with the actual case or context of what we're dealing with because it wasn't taboo. It was the fact that she was actually dealing with a particular issue that someone turned using the freedom of speech into something else. So I don't care which side you're on case in point shows just how far down this rabbit hole we've gone here in America. We have a major issue with freedom of speech. And what that major issue is, is that we have so many people who are now determining based upon their personal principles, what you can and cannot say that you literally going from one end of the city to another could find yourself in violation of these perceived infringements on their freedoms, or you could in turn find yourself in violation of of um, an out of turn topic. A prime case: my kids and I were going into Fred Meyer the other day. I homeschool. Now, I do not expect the average individual to know that. If you don't know me, then it's really none of your business, and I'm sure that you really don't care. However, we were going into Fred Meyer, and the topic that we had been discussing in the car happens to be one that all three of my children have a major fascination with, and that happens to be the World War II era, not just on the Nazis, not just on Hitler, but also because of the the change that occurred in Germany, the, the changes that occurred globally, and how it affected America. So we were discussing this. And um, as we got out of the car, as we started to walk up the, the sidewalk, my son turned to me, and he, what he said was, well, that was why all the, the Jews deserve to die. And what 
basically what he was talking about was not that he felt they deserved to die. He was saying that that's what Hitler was propaganding. Well, 13 years old, he's not going to sit there and wonder how much it's going to offend somebody if he pops a question out of his mouth. It just doesn't happen. He's 13. Let's be real. And the look that he got from this guy that we were walking past him was clearly offensive. Not only was it offensive, but this man actually stopped and turned, and he was about to say something. I continued walking. I looked him dead in the eye, and I said, homeschooling topic. You don't understand the conversation. Mind your own business. And he continued on. So we go in shopping. This gentleman followed us to the store and let management know that we had an anti-Semitic viewpoint I was teaching the children and that I was doing it publicly. So, of course, I get pulled aside. Manager comes over, talks to me, and I looked at him and said, that's not your place, number one. You don't have the right to take me to task. Number two, I've been coming to the store for seven years. So you should know by now what, what I do and do not tolerate. You know that's not something I would tolerate. And number three, how is this one of those things where, that people think they have the right to go tattle to a manager of a public store about another customer based upon what came out of their mouth? I didn't threaten anyone. I didn't, you know, my son didn't threaten anyone. Um, fact of the matter is, is that it was a statement and he had, he may have had the right to be offended. He does. He did not have the right though to call me out on it. But yet this is where we stand, where we now can be called out based upon perceived infringements or hate speech as it were. Now, for those who don't know my viewpoint on hate speech, I know, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of, from the left about this, and, and that's fine. Probably some from the right as well. Here is my viewpoint on hate speech. There is no such thing. The crime is not in the motive. It never has been. The motive is a precursor to prove why the crime was committed. If I use a racial term against someone and then strike that individual, the assault is the crime. The motive could very well be the racial term that I use and could be used in a court of law to show that this is why I was motivated to strike or assault him. Much like if you, you know, a case where you have somebody who has a massive inheritance that is coming and suddenly the individual who had the money prior ends up dead. Then, of course, you're going to be looking for motive, the inheritance, as to the possibility of why this individual killed him. So there's no such thing as really – there really isn't. I'm sorry. I know that's on the books, but there is no such thing as true hate speech. All right? It's just a motive. So, yeah, in Northern Ireland, definition of a hate crime, any incident which con constitutes a criminal offense perceived by the victim or any other person to be motivated by prejudice – or hate towards a person's race, religion, sexual orientation, or disability. I want you to think about that for a second. And that's pretty much how it's written here as well, Porky. Here, you know, I want you to really think about that key, perceived by the victim. So if I've got a chip on my shoulder, and I happen to be a closet racist, and I'm going downtown, and I have you know, a black individual come by and look at me funny, I can now perceive that that victim sexually assaulted me. You heard me correct. Now I can go to someone and say that individual leered at me and that individual needs to be brought up on sexual assault charges. 
Now, we have people on the extreme left who will say that, you know what, that, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. You should, you, you should keep your eyes where they belong. You should not be disrespecting or downgrading anybody. And then we're going to have people on the conservative side who are going to be extreme about this. And they're going to say that, you know, they um, – uh, that 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 uh, sexual that 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 you need to mind your own business is privacy. Thing. Sorry, I had a phone call that came in. In fact, I got sidetracked. That you know you have to do things that will um, actually constitute a verbal actual assault before you can do anything about it. Here we go, people. Stand by. <laughs> Hello. Hi, this is it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Nobody heard you. By the way, you are on the air. Stand by. Okay. Be right there. <laughs> okay, guys, just. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> All right, so basically make long story short, what happens is that you have this, this this perception or concept that your irritation now constitutes allowing you to call out another individual as a crime based upon what they have said or done. One of my favorite, favorite stories about this was when I was in the military. And we have, for those who don't know, you have a barracks and in the barracks, you have what they call a day room, um, and, and this is for Air Force because I know the Army is different. Um, but what happened is they had a, a day room, and everybody goes to the day room, and you, you'd go in and you'd, you'd uh, watch TV or play your videos or whatever. Well, what happened is we had this one girl who was very, very interested in a couple of soldiers, and she was quite prolific with said interest and I think you know exactly what I'm trying to say here without being too offensive and what she would do is she'd come into the day room wearing extremely revealing clothing sometimes to the point where it was almost unacceptable at any level she might as well have been naked but because she had strips of clothing it was even more offensive well she had a particular individual she didn't like she came in the day room, and this guy was sitting there. And of course, everybody's staring at her. She's got everything hanging out. People are going to stare. The next day, she went to her band. She brought this guy up on sexual assault charges. There were eight other men in that room. There were six other girls in that room. She only brought it up on the one. When we found out, of course, we all testified, witnessed that it was completely on her. It was reversed. It turned out she sexually assaulted us with the whole thing. Yes, I went there with it because I was that irritated and annoyed. And she ended up with an Article 15. So be very careful when you start pushing for your freedom of speech to be infringed on for others because you don't want to hear something or you don't want to deal with something because it can come back and bite you. Eventually, what you don't want to hear or what you may want to say, someone else isn't going to want to hear. And then what happens is you end up with a monotone conversation that is very bland without any type of input because no one's allowed to express their opinion. 
So, yes, it's a very slippery slope. The perception is that we have massive freedoms across the globe when the reality is, as I said earlier, we have over a 1,000 cases of individuals across the girls. <laughs> okay, Porky says he never had any girls dressing like that in his unit. No clothes. Okay. Um, but to make a long story short, we now have, we, we, you know, there are literally, you can go to Global Freedom. It, you can go to Global Freedom, and what will happen is that you will see the, the it's Global Freedom Expression, Columbia University, and it will be the, the 1,010 cases found. So, globally, it's a dying luxury, and we need to really pay attention to that. It's scary. Okay, now for the second part of the show, and this one is one that, to, to be perfectly honest, this next part of the show has brought controversy in my own home. My husband and I do not see eye to eye when it comes to politics, all right? We have very definite opinions and viewpoints that are very dynamic from each other. Now, that doesn't mean that he is extreme liberal, and it doesn't mean that I'm extreme conservative. What it does mean, though, is that we have very different viewpoints when it comes to this particular topic, and every once in a while it does blow up. However, the reason I brought up this topic was not because of that. It was because of the fact that we've had this, this new push, which we knew was coming, here in America for gun control. We had, for, for those that do not know the full story of what happened, we had the Las Vegas shooter, and then right after the Las Vegas shooter, we had not one, not two, but three church shootings after November 4th. The one that caught everybody's eye and attention was the one where he killed over 20 people in the church with a semi-automatic AR-15 style rifle. And the second part of that story is he was then hunted down and shot by another individual who legally owned his AR-15 style rifle and stopped him from killing anyone else. Now, we have those uh, of the mindset on the left that we do not need guns, period. They want to ban all guns. That polite society doesn't need guns, and if we do not have guns, then we will be um, nonviolent. Historically, that is incorrect. Societies that have banned guns historically have proven to become either a dictatorship where they are where the government takes them out. All you have to do is look at Cambodia, look at Germany, look at you know South America, many of their countries. Look at the Middle East. Or what has happened is the perception of guns. You know the, the, the perception that the the crime rate has gone down because of gun banning is incorrect. It's actually the other way around. One of the, and and this is where I'm going to get a lot of controversy, and like I said, I'm trying to keep this as non-political as possible. 
Okay? We had a homicide and death rate study that was done globally in 2013 with before and after gun bans. This was done by the Crime Prevention Research Center. Supposedly, and I have yet to be able to find anything that shows um, any type of biasness, and I haven't found that they have been bought out by anybody, but it looks like it's an unbiased uh, website, which is one of the reasons I use it. And what they did, they went from 1997 to, let's see here. Okay, we have January 1997 with uh, the offenses. Um, sorry, we got a little donate button here. Offenses currently recorded as homicide per million population in 1997. And then in 1996, which is where they had the, the gun ban that went in. Homicide rate was lower in 1997 than it was in 1996. However, by the beginning of 1998, homicide rates had increased by 50%. The rates only began falling when there was a larger increase in the number of police officers during 2003 and 2004. During Despite the huge increase in the number of police, the murder rate still remains slightly higher than the immediate pre-ban rate. So, in 1996, you're allowed guns. In 1997, you are not. There was a dip, slight dip, right after the gun ban went in, hand, and then by the end of that year, it had increased by 50%. And it stayed steadily at that number until after they increased law enforcement. Now, you can go here, and if you want, like I said, it's crime prevention research. You can go here, and it will show you um, multiple cases globally about gun bans, and crime. For instance, one of the arguments that you have from the left happens to be that we have so many guns across our nation, which we do. We actually have, per capita, we have right now approximately three guns per individual out in circulation that they're aware of. And we have a high murder rate. We do. Okay? We do. It's not the highest but it is it is fairly you know it's fairly disconcerting like 0.31%. However, the murders are concentrated in 2% of the counties. Those counties happen to be the ones with the most stringent gun control. When they took those counties out of the equation, the murder percentage, and when I say murder percentage, we're not just talking handguns, we're talking overall. The murder percentage, the homicide rate for the United States dropped below Sweden. Now, I want you to think about that. That is not me saying I'm for guns. 
I am not, yes, I'm going to say, I'm going to get to that, Porky. I'm not saying I am for guns or against guns. You all know where I stand on this. I'm not saying my husband's for or against them. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that he has very, very, you know, strong opinions on this. However, the fact of the matter is, President Trump said this when he was in Asia, and it's a fact. An evil man used a firearm for evil deeds. And he was stopped, and, and nothing was going to stop him. He was illegal in the first place with all the gun laws in place. Should never have had that handgun or that firearm. Not a handgun, but firearm. However, he was stopped by a legal man. He wanted a link to the study. Um, he was stopped by a man who was legally owning. Now, with that being said, one of the things I always hear often, especially when I'm, you know, on Facebook and I'm looking at, and you have international individuals who are who are posting, is, well, I'm in Australia, and since we had our gun ban, crimes down. Actually, incorrect. Australia's crime rate has actually increased almost 50%. Those are reports coming from Australia. Now, there haven't been any mass shootings. But what has occurred is that they like to say that they recruit, they, they've reduced homicides. They haven't. Here we go. Crime collection managed by the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So here, okay, and this was in 2016. Crowds expected to gather on April 28, 2016, March 20th anniversary of the Port, Port Arthur Massacre. That was the last massacre they had in Australia, mass shooting. At that point, it was 1996. All right. Mr. Howard, in an interview, let's see here, the Prime Minister, that's who it is. It is incontestable that gun-related homicides have fallen quite significantly in Australia. Incontestable. Data from the Australia Institute of Criminology shows the rate of homicide victims dying from a gunshot wound has dropped since reforms came into place. However, the rate of assaults and homicide by other means has increased. One of the things that people do not take into consideration when they ban guns is that it's not the item that causes the crime. It's, once more, the human being. And what has happened is that you will go to statistics and you will look and you will find where, whether you like it or not, you will find that the number one thing that is used to kill people are fists, your hands, choking, strangling, beating, whatever. The second one, hammers. Third one, baseball bats. Fact of the matter is, crime will happen no matter what. There are two mindsets when it comes to the right to bear arms. You have your group mentality. Once more, remembering the group mentality where society has the right to decree. Has the right to decree whether or not you can carry firearms. And then you have the other group that says the individual. 
I'm going to go ahead and, and discuss that further next week because we're going to start delving into our Bill of Rights next week. I think it's going to be a good topic. However, I am going to go ahead and call it short tonight due to all sorts of different different <laughs> uh, the distractions that we have going on. And uh, we will go ahead and see. Um, yep. Um, we will go ahead and see what we have uh, this next week. Okay? So bye, Corky, and download. And I'm sorry for the discombobulation, guys. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.